This is not just a story of God working at providence. There are many lessons, of course, we can learn here how to pray for the Lord's guidance and wisdom. There are many lessons here on how to find a wife and the type of wife that a Christian should look for to avoid the ungodly, that a believer in the Lord should only be seeking um, to marry one who is a believer. All of those lessons are there. But there is in this wonderful scene a tremendous picture of redemption. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Gallagher. I appreciate this opportunity again to bring the message of the gospel to your heart today. And we are ministering again on one of the types of the Old Testament scriptures. We've been dealing a whole lot with the whole matter of interpreting the Bible. And one of the richest means of understanding and profiting from the Old Testament scriptures is to see the types that picture the Lord Jesus. We have looked at Adam, Noah, Abraham, and today we come to Isaac, another of the patriarchs in the book of Genesis. And yet he and his life depicts and parallels the life of our Lord Jesus so closely. And this is seen in the effort to find a wife for Isaac. And the story of redemption is God finding a wife for his son, the church. Jesus came into this world to be the bridegroom, and believers are the church, the bride of the Lord Jesus. Now, these thoughts and these parallels that we see in the life of Isaac enrich our understanding of the Scriptures. They make the Word of God so exciting to us. So, we want you to stay with us and hear this message today. We have a hymn, The Very Thought of Thee, with Alan McGill singing. And then our final closing story is Give Me Back My Tears. This is the soul winner's burden. We'll be talking about a man called Colonel Clark and how he was a, a marvelous soul winner because he loved the souls to whom he preached. May the Lord give us our tears and give us hearts to serve the Lord tenderly. Stay with us now as we let the Bible speak today. Well, we come here to Genesis 24, this great account of finding a wife for Isaac. Many men don't find it easy to find a wife. I traveled all of five miles and was successful the first time I entered the home of my wife. I can say tonight that I being in the way, the Lord led me. For some men, it's not so easy. Some have been working at it for years and have come up empty, and they have yet to find that perfect partner. We are very happy, of course, for our brother Alan, who has found himself a wife. It's just over a year now since Sheena came along to our church, and we're looking forward very soon to the day of their wedding and we pray God's blessing on them. 
You can learn from this account that Abraham was very burdened about finding a wife for Isaac. And it was he, Abraham, the father, who took the initiative. And he had a long talk with his chief servant. And he was his elder servant who was in charge of everything in his house. And as the story tells us, he was sending him off to look for a wife for Isaac. And there was a word of warning, do not bring back a Canaanite. My son is not to marry a Canaanite. Abram knew that the Canaanites were idolaters. He knew that they were doomed. And he knew that Isaac needed a wife that would become the mother of thousands of millions. That's the language that's right in this chapter, because she would become the mother of Israel, and that would be her particular appointment. And so, we have 67 verses in this account on finding a wife. You can see how the Spirit of God has put a major emphasis upon this finding a wife for Isaac. Now, after one step after another, and the providence of God leading all the way, this servant is amazed himself and very successful at finding the right wife for uh, Isaac. And in verse 19, you'll see how the drama unfolds, and you know the, the question, the girl that says, I'll give you drink, but also give water to your camels. That was the test. And the servant had made this a matter of prayer, and he put it to the Lord, and he had his camels bow down at a distance from the well, no pressure here, and he was going to wait until this girl offered drink to him and for his camels. And you can see in the verse 19 how it all played out. And when she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also. That must have been the servant's eureka moment. That must have been the, aha, this is the one. And you know how the story develops, that he gave her some bracelets, he inquired about her home, and then he inquired about lodging, and he put the whole story to her family. They were convinced, and they to her, and she was convinced. And before long, they were setting off on their journey back to find Isaac. Now, this is not just a story of God working at providence. There are many lessons, of course, we can learn here how to pray for the Lord's guidance and wisdom. There are many lessons here on how to find a wife and the type of wife that a Christian should look for to avoid the ungodly, that a believer in the Lord should only be seeking um, to marry one who is a believer. All of those lessons are there. But there is, in this wonderful scene, a tremendous picture of redemption. And here we will see that Abraham is a type of the Father. He initiates. He is the one who is burdened and wants to seek a wife 
for his son Isaac. The servant assigned to go and seek a wife is like the Holy Spirit, and his work is to bring the church, to bring believers out of the world into union with the Lord Jesus. That is his ministry. And then Isaac, receiving the bride, is undoubtedly a, a picture of the Lord Jesus receiving the church in union and in marriage. And so in this history, which is, I must emphasize, a real history, there is no uh, figment here. There is no mere imagination. It's a real place, real people, real time and history. And woven into all of that, in the tapestry of God's amazing providence, in these lives, in these events, there is the story of redemption. And I want to lead you into that story of redemption here tonight. We see that the father, Abram, is the originator of finding a wife for Isaac. Let's go to verse 1 of the chapter, and you will see that when he was old and well stricken in age. And as you can understand in any natural family, that as a father grows older and weaker, the care that his son would have a suitable wife grows more acute. And so it was Abram that planned to find a suitable wife for Isaac. And it was Abraham who was exercised about the covenant arrangement given to him. Remember the promise? God showed him the stars and said, I will give you a seed as many as the stars in heaven, and that would be the church. I will make you a father of many nations. But now Abram is growing old, and he doesn't see it happening before his eyes, and he now begins to plan. Now, this arrangement of the father initiating the search for a wife is totally in keeping with what the Bible reveals about the plan of redemption. Because when you learn of the doctrine of election in the Bible, which is foreordination, uh, choosing, uh, predestinating, all of those terms which apply to God in his plan to save his church, he is the one that chooses, who plans, and he initiates. And we see that clearly in the very gospel text that we love to preach. For example, in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2, I want you to see here that election is the Father's prerogative. It is his initiation of the plan. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit. Now, actually, you have the Trinity right here in this text, 1 Peter 1, 2. You have the Father who is the one who elects. You have the Spirit who sanctifies. And you have the Lord Jesus who, through obedience and sprinkling of the blood, redeems. But it is the Father who initiates. That's the point 
we want to see here. Then when you go back to Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, you will see again that all things work together for good to them that are the called according to God's purpose. Are you called by God? That's the Father's call. All things work together for good to them that are called according to His purpose. That's the purpose of God. For whom He did foreknow. You can see that this is the action of the Father. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. And I want you to see that in this account in Genesis 24 of the search for a wife for Isaac, the father Abraham is the one who begins the search and sends out his servant, and this is well in keeping with the plan of redemption. Now, you'll notice also in the story in Genesis 24 that through all of that, Isaac was passive. It doesn't seem that he said a word. Hey, Dad, I want some input in this too. No, there's not an even of that. But what kind of a wife will you find me? There's not even a word of that. It seems that Isaac just waits, and when the servant returns with Rebekah, he's out in the field meditating and waiting, expecting, and he is introduced to his wife. Now, that is the scheme of the gospel because it is God the Father who chooses the bride. It is God the Father who elects, ordains, chooses, and draws believers to the Savior. And, of course, we have many amazing gospel texts on that. Let us go to John 6 and verse 37, and you will uh, see these. These are doctrinal texts. John 6 and verse 37. All the that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Do you see the the passivity of the Lord Jesus here? Do you see that he's the one in submission to the Father's will? And it's all that the Father gives to the Son. They come to him. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. And then on down, In verse, well, just read 38 onward. For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will that hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing but raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So you can see that the elect the church, the chosen, the predestinated, whichever of the biblical terms you want to use, or all of them, that it is the Father who chooses. It's the Son who receives. And all that the Father giveth to him, he receives. They come to me, and I will in no wise cast out, he says. So in these few verses in John's Gospel, You have the Father's election, the Son's reception, with no rejection of all who will come. And that is solid Bible doctrine. Now, in this study of Old Testament typology, 
you never build a new doctrine out of types, shadows, and sketches. It's a bit like when you study the parables, whichever of the parables. You never build new doctrine on a parable. If you do that, you'll end up with heresy. The parables are meant to illustrate truth and doctrine. And when we want to know the doctrines of the Bible, we go to those doctrinal passages like Romans, the letters of Paul to the churches. John's gospel is very doctrinal as well, where you have the clear statements of the Lord Jesus declaring truth, and of course many passages, teaching passages in the Old Testament. And so when I come to Genesis 24, and I discover here that the Father is initiating, Isaac is waiting for the will of the Father to be worked out, uh, what I am seeing here is not something new, but it's something that I discover in all of the Bible, that this is the pattern of the gospel. The God the Father chooses, God the Son receives, and God the Holy Spirit, His work is to bring souls into the church and into union with the Lord Jesus. Now, don't lose sight of the wonder of these this typology here in Genesis. Do you see that Genesis 24 is not just a history lesson? Genesis 24 is not just a narrative of a wonderful, beautiful, romantic story. Genesis 24 is about redemption, and it is a further revelation of what we've learned already in the book of Genesis. This, if you remember the telescope analogy, Things now are broadening out, and we can see more and more of how God works in His plan of redemption. Now, secondly, the Holy Spirit here has been assigned to search out a bride for the Son. Now, I say the Holy Spirit, and you might ask, well, how do you get that the Holy Spirit is typified uh, in this chapter? Well, did you notice that this servant is not named. There is no name that is given to him in Genesis 24. He is referred to as his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had. And so he was the chief man. He was a trustworthy man, but he's unnamed. Now, back in chapter 15, there is a servant of Abraham, and he is named as Eliezer. But remember, that was before Isaac was born. Isaac was now 40 years old. And so we're not sure if that was the same servant. May have been. But in this chapter, in this typology, he is the unnamed servant. And therefore, that is a clue that he is the type of the Holy Spirit. Now, Matthew Henry, and I, I do want you to know that I'm in good interpreting company here. I'm not doing something fabulous and cultish with the Scriptures. I read yesterday just Matthew Henry's comment, Isaac is a type of Christ. And he went on to say that the servant is understood either as a type of the ministers of the gospel— or as the Holy Spirit. But think about it. What preacher could convert a soul without the Holy Spirit? 
I could preach here for a thousand years, and there wouldn't be a soul converted unless the Holy Spirit attends and does his work in hearts. And so this work of the servant, as he is sent out, warned not to get a wife from the Canaanites, go to my kindred in Mesopotamia, and the angel of the Lord will go before thee. Here is this servant. He is like the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to see, firstly, his assignment. He was to take an oath. He was to put his hand under the thigh of Abraham. And again, that is related to the covenant and to a very solemn undertaking. And in that verse 2, Abram said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites. One thing to pick up in this now, I'm not going to push or drive this one, but this is not universalism. There is a people here that cannot be the bride. There is a people here that are not the chosen. But there is one that is appointed of God, and she must be sought out very carefully. And you'll see in verse 4 that he was instructed or assigned to go unto my country and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son Isaac. A sweeter sound than thy blessed name, O Savior of mankind. Be thou our 
You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher. I have a story here today on soul winning, and the big name is Colonel Clark of Chicago. This little story is entitled, Give Me Back My Tears. One of the mightiest soul winners I ever knew was this Colonel Clark of Chicago. He would work at his business six days every week. And every night in the week, the year round, five or six hundred men would gather together in that mission hall. It was a motley crowd, drunkards, thieves, pickpockets, gamblers, and everything that was hopeless. I used to go and hear Colonel Clark talk, and he seemed to me one of the dullest talkers I ever heard in my life. He would ramble along, and yet these five or six hundred men would lean over and listen spellbound while Colonel Clark talked in his prosy way. Some of the greatest preachers in Chicago used to go down to help Colonel Clark, but the men would not listen to them, as they did to Colonel Clark. When he was speaking, they would lean over and listen and be converted by the score. I could not understand it. I studied it and wondered what the secret of it was. Why did these men listen with such interest? And why were they so greatly moved by such prosy talking? I found the secret. It was because they knew that Colonel Clark loved them, and nothing conquers like love. The tears were very near the surface with Colonel Clark. Once in the early days of the mission, when he had been weeping a great deal over these men, he got ashamed of his tears. He steeled his heart and tried to stop his crying, and succeeded, but lost his power. He saw that his power had gone, and he went to God and prayed, O God, give me back my tears. And God gave him back his tears and gave him his wonderful power, marvelous power over these men. If we would see the seed that we sow bring an abundant harvest, We must water it with our tears. He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. That story is told by Dr. R.A. Torrey, one of America's evangelists. And I pray that God gives us that heart passion for precious souls. Will you pray for that? And ask the Lord to give you back your tears that you might win souls to Christ. Pray for me that my heart might be broken for the souls who hear his word every day. Thank you for listening. May the Lord encourage you. Stay tuned for these closing announcements. You have been listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of this broadcast or would like to hear it again, you can go to ltbs.ca. You will also see ways you may support this gospel ministry. And you will find details about our church in Scarborough, where Pastor Larry Saunders is the minister. In Port Hope, where Reverend Reggie Cranston is the minister. In Berry where Reverend Anthony DiDerno is the minister, and in Buffalo, where Reverend Philone is the minister. You will find all their details at ltbs.ca. 
If I can be of personal help, I would love to open the Bible to talk and pray one-to-one with you so that you may know you are saved and sure of it. Call me at 604-897-2040 or email me at ltbsradio at gmail.com. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Until the same time next week on this station, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His loving care.